Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. Father, we give you all the glory and all the praise that you are worthy of. And God, as we have prayed, we have sung, we have been reminded of your goodness to us, the fact that you hear us when we lift our voice in prayer, the fact that you delight in us when we lift our voice in song, when we sing to you, when we sing to each other, when we sing, God, for the glory of your name. This brings delights to your heart. And so, Father, we thank you for giving us the breath in our lungs to pray and to sing. And God, we give you thanks for giving us ears to hear your word. God, we give you thanks that you have given us the word. I pray that as we sit under it now, that our hearts would be uh, filled with joy, that our minds would be renewed, that our eyes would be enlightened. Father, you say your word is sharp, that it exposes our hearts. Lord, I pray that it would do that now, but I also pray that even as we're being exposed, we would be comforted as we find mercy and grace as we hear from you. So we pray, God, that you would continue to anoint us, that you would help me as I seek to help and serve my brothers and sisters in the faith, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can turn in your Bibles to Luke, Luke 10. Um, but before we get going, I just want to give thanks to the brothers, right, for serving us that way. There are certain moments in church that it's just hard to follow, and it's always when it's like times like that. You know, everyone's like, we don't want to hear Marv, you want to keep singing. But we give thanks to the brothers. So we're looking at Luke 10, verses 38 to 42. But before uh, I get going, I just want to... I'll share something. So a couple of people have brought this to my attention that I tend to tell stories that I don't finish. Right? Like in the Heaven series, um, I told you about a guy, uh, you know, one of my coaches who got dropped off on the side of the highway. And I think it was Phil was like, why were they dropping him at the side of the highway? Well, it's because his house was actually on the other side of the highway. So they were dropping him home. And then last week, I told you about a man who came by my car and needed some help. And Kim got in the car and she's like, did you help the man? Because I didn't say if I helped him or not. So I want to say I did help him, all right? I got to know him and everything like that. I just didn't want to make myself look up, but now I'm doing it, I guess. (laughs) Look all good with all that, but I did help him and everything like that. So just pray for me. I'm growing as a preacher, right, to finish my, uh, my story. So the title of our message today is Making the Right Choice. Make the Right Choice. See, every day we are faced with choices, right? There was a couple of years back, I was on a snowmobile with Kim. I've told you this story before, and I was going way too fast and got out of control, so I jumped off the snowmobile. That was the wrong choice. A couple weeks, uh, two weeks ago, I was coming home with the boys from basketball, and I opened the door of the car. We were coming from basketball practice, and there were two skunks on our front step. 
And as soon as I opened the door, he like lifted his tail. You know what the tail means, right? So we closed the door and stayed in the car. And then one at a time, we sprinted into the house. That was the right choice. See, every day we're faced with choices, and sometimes we make right choices, and sometimes we make wrong choices. And today in our text, we're going to meet two sisters, and one of them makes the wrong choice, and the other one makes the right choice. And the choice that Mary makes is the one God wants us to make in our, in our lives. So look at verse 38. It says, while they were traveling, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. So the text says that Jesus comes in, he gets welcomed, these two sisters. And it says Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening. And what she's doing here is called the posture of a disciple. You see, Mary is listening to Jesus, allowing Jesus to minister to her. This is, this is a, a humble woman. And what she does actually is big in that culture. Because in that culture, women were not encouraged to do this. They were actually told not to do this. And so what you see here is Mary is not allowing that to stop her. She is making the right choice. And she's, she's saying, I want to learn. I want to grow theologically. So I'm at the Lord's feet. I don't care what the culture, I don't care what the people are saying around me. And what she does is she sets a solid example for women and men to pursue the knowledge of God, to get to know the Lord. You're like, why do I want to do that? When you know the Lord, your convictions go deeper. When you know God, your commitment to God is even stronger. When you know his character, his ways, his promises. When you know the Lord, your confidence in God goes way up. No matter the time, you trust him. And I want you to know that what Jesus is doing, because notice he is allowing her to sit there. He is teaching her. Right? What he is doing is against the norm. Because again, in that culture, there were, there were rabbis and people who said uh, training and developing women was a waste of time. That was believed then. And what Jesus is doing, when he comes in, when he sits down, when he allows her to come close, he is showing all of those people that they're wrong. And what you see here is Jesus treating women with dignity and respect. When you look at the ministry of Jesus, he invited women in. He discipled and developed both men and women. How come nobody's saying amen? He showed them love. He showed them that they're valuable. He showed them that they're, they matter. He showed them that they had an important role to play in the ministry and, ex and, expand and expanding of the gospel. And the, the commitment, the, the example here that Jesus shows us is one as a church that we're committed to following, to disciple and develop men and women. So here's Jesus, he's at the crib. Mary is listening, she's learning. But verse 40 says, but Martha was distracted by her many tasks. And she came up and asked the Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. Notice it says that she is distracted, right? The, the word but there is, when you're reading your Bible, that is a contrast. 
what Luke is doing, he's contrasting these sisters. Martha is so busy, she's so distracted, she cannot just sit with Jesus. She cannot just spend time with him. And notice what she says in verse 40. Lord, do you not care that I'm doing this alone? She's salty. I'm, right? Jamaican, she's vexed. Amen. We call this the protest of the distracted. And notice she accuses, she does two things. She accuses Jesus of not caring about her. You see it? Lord, don't you care? She's like, don't you see what I'm going through? Don't you see how hard I'm working? Jesus is probably looking at her like, I left heaven for you. I'm here, I'm living, and I'm going to die for you. I'm going to spend, send the Holy Spirit to help you. I'm going to give you the scriptures to guide you. And then I'm coming back to get you. See, if you're ever sitting there in your life and you're wondering, does God care about me? Do I matter to God? Just simply look at the ministry and life of Jesus and the answer is gonna be clearly yes, that God cares. And then notice she acts like she's Lord. I want us to be a a church that reads our Bibles real close. So check this, check it. She calls Jesus Lord and then she gives him a command. She says, Lord, don't you care? Then she says, tell her, in verse 40, to help me. Tell her to give me a hand. See, the way we forget people's names, the way we forget things that we've said, she forgets that we don't give instructions to Jesus, that he gives instructions to us, that he is Lord. And here's the thing. When you follow what Jesus says, you're being wise. And there's a lot of people in our church, you are doing what Jesus says. You are following him. You are listening to him. And you got to know you're being wise. Let me, let me just read it for you. It, let me show you. Luke 6, 47 to 49 says, I will show you what someone is like who, who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When the flood came, which means when the storms of life come, when hard things happen to you, when you start to struggle because you live in a broken world full of broken and corrupt people, when those difficulties show up, it says the rivers crashed against the house and it couldn't shake it because it was well built. When you listen to Jesus, you are being wise because you are building your life on a solid rock. And it means when trouble comes, you will not be shaken so she's upset with her sister and what you have here is called sibling strife now if you read your bible you know that this comes up a lot right Cain and Abel strife Rachel and Leah strife Jacob and Esau strife it it was it's March break I don't know if you know this but this was my whole week. Yeah, right? Siblings going at each other. I come here to minister the word, then I go home to the ministry of refereeing, me and Kim, just, that's all we do. Breaking up fights. Siblings going at each other. And I'm, and I'm highlighting this because I wanna say to parents, you cannot ignore the strife between your children. 
Never. That's my mom over there. Yeah. <laughs> she lived this. It was my sisters. It wasn't me. <laughs> Don't ignore. You step in and you help them process. What's going on? Why are we doing this? You help them find a way to have peace and work it out together. And then you teach them that they are, they are to protect one another, not to compete with one another, right? We tell our boys all the time, when you're out of this house, you, you, you got your brother's back. And if you don't, I'm coming to your school. That we're family, we look out for one another. And you're like, okay, I hear all that. But Marv, I'm grown. I've left my parents' house. But, I, and I got, and, but you're still dealing with sibling strife. Well, the text says to you, make the right choice and do what is necessary to work that out. We're family. And we, we have to do what we need to do to stick together. Verse 41 says, the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. And you got to know there when Jesus says, Martha, Martha, he's being gentle. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. She's full of anxiety. And here's the thing. Jesus' gentleness tells us that he understands Proverbs 15, verse 1, which says, a gentle answer turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up strife. And I'm showing you this because we need to remember this in our disputes. Think about this in marriages. Think about this in friendships. Think about this with, when you're dealing with coworkers. If you're just dealing with your kids, this, you have an ability by the things that you say to calm things down. Somebody may come at you. She goes at Jesus. She's in his face, but he doesn't do that to her. There's a gentleness there that actually calms things down, and we can practice that. He says to her, you are worried about many things. If you have an ESV, you'll notice that it says, you are anxious and troubled about many things. She is so full of anxiety, so full of, 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 of this desire to kind of do everything right that she cannot focus on Jesus. And I don't know if you're like me, but don't you get anxious sometimes in your life? Last week, I mean, not even right now, I'm anxious about the price of gas. I'm dead serious. We get anxious about, am I ever going to be able to own a home? Am I, am I ever going to be able to sort of pay off this debt that is in my life? This thing that's there, it just seems like I chip away at it, but it's just not really going anywhere. We get anxious about finding work. Anxious about family members who are ill and struggling. You're just, you're just walking with them. You're anxious about your health. You're anxious about your, 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 your business or maybe your marriage. Is it going to survive? See, anxiety is this everyday temptation that we all face. And when you're anxious, here's the thing. Read the word. Open the scriptures. Let God speak to you. Pray. The Bible says that we are to be people who cast all our anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Tell him everything, everything on your heart. Gather with the people of God. 
Right? I talked about this way back. Sometimes when our struggle and our trouble, we just need to come together and let somebody else sing for you. Let somebody else minister to you. Let somebody pray for you. Just look at somebody else who you know they're struggling and dealing with things, but they're just, their hands are raised. They're not giving up on God. They're trusting. And then the next one is, and these are the right choices we can make. Seek advice. Sometimes we struggle all alone. Right? But Sabrina prayed it. We don't have to struggle alone. They're to help one another. Seek advice. So Jesus gently corrects her. That's going on in the text. And Brother Anthony said this to me one time. He said, Marv, we always have to be ready to be corrected. That there should have been more. I'll just just wait. (laughs) We have to be ready to be corrected. Why? Because we're still in process. You're not Jesus. We have not arrived. And so we will still make mistakes. We will struggle. We'll do some things wrong. And here's here's the thing. If you're being corrected, here's my word for you. Listen. Sometimes when people start to speak a hard word to us, quickly we're like, I'm ready to go to to, to defend myself. Just listen. You're being corrected. Examine what is being said. Sometimes a person will say something to you and you're like, Some of those things are right, but maybe not everything's right. Listen and examine. Then pray again. And prayer is big because you're like, Lord, help me not to be bitter towards this person. Help me to realize that this person is probably for me and that they're speaking the truth and love to me. They're doing something courageous and I actually need this. Pray to the Lord and then talk to the person again. Circle back and say, here's where you got it right. But here's where you, you know, maybe you were a bit off or you were a little bit rough there. Just have that conversation. Then here's the flip side. If you're doing the correcting, so you're being corrected, but now you're, you're on the other, you're, you're, you're doing the correcting. First, check your motive. Why am I gonna speak to this person? What do I want for them? Do I want their best? Or do I just want to hurt them? Because if that's the case, you actually don't love that person if all you wanna do is hurt them. Check your motive. Then don't shame them as you're speaking to them. Then keep it private, right? Don't go sharing people's business. Then be humble. Do you know why? Because you might be doing the correcting right now, but in a week, somebody might need to come at me and correct me. Again, why? Because we have not arrived, right? In Galatians, it says that if you're, if you're correcting someone to do it in a spirit of gentleness, and it says, so that, and, so, and said, keep watch on yourself so that you're not tempted. Why? And the temptation is to think, I would never do what that person's doing. So we be humble, then we be gentle. And then the last one is you check up on the person. So you don't just blow up a person's life and be like, yeah, figure it out. You check up on them. You help sort of help them process, be a part of the help. Verse 42, he says, let me go back to 41. It says, the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus says this, one thing is necessary. You're like, what's the one thing? It's to spend time with Jesus. One thing in your life, of all the things you can do, of all the choices you can make, one choice is absolutely necessary every single day, to spend time at the feet of Jesus, letting him speak to you. You, and we call this the priority of the devoted. 
The choice Mary makes is the one we can make every single day. And what this means for some of us is that some things probably need to change. Right, if the screens were working, I would have showed you this, but your life, some of you, your life is like a computer screen with all kinds of windows open. And there's so many windows open and that, like that, that, what's that beach ball, (laughs) Joanne called it, just spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning. There's so many windows open, you can focus on nothing. And so in order for you to spend time focusing on Jesus, some windows in your life need to close. Some things need to go away so you can be with him in the scripture. You got to remember this. The more time you spend with Jesus, the more you start to live like Jesus. That's why it's the one thing is necessary. The more we're with him. Now, Verse 42 says, she, Mary, made the right choice. This is not on the screen, but I got it here. If you have an ESV, it says, Mary has chosen the good portion. And if you have a CSB, the footnote says, Mary has chosen the right meal. Think about that. She has chosen the good Portion. She has chosen the right meal. And this, this it, it says in the text, it will not be taken from her. You know what the it is? Jesus Christ. He says, she has chosen me. She has chosen to, to focus on me, to keep me at the center of everything. And I will never be taken from her. Psalm 73 verse 26 says, my flesh and my heart may fail, which means you're going to die. But God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. When you die, you get more of God. And so what the Bible is telling us is we are forever his and he is forever ours. We have the Lord, we'll never lose the Lord. That's why you're like, if I'm making a choice, I'm choosing Jesus every day. I'm choosing to spend time with the person who I'm going to spend eternity with and I want to be by. She has made the right choice, the right meal. Mary here chose to have spiritual food before doing spiritual service. Think about that. I can get busy for Jesus, but before I do all that, I'm going to spend time with Jesus. Spiritual food before spiritual service. And you got to understand this. There's something not to miss. Jesus is not rebuking Martha for serving. This is important. He never rebukes her for serving. Right? So we don't want to, again, we don't want to get this twisted. What she's doing is good. The text says she welcomed him. She's being hospitable. And we want to be that way as a church. She welcomed him in. So it's not saying you got to choose one lifestyle over the other. It's saying you got to do one before the other. It's just an issue of order. And I want to say something because I'm aware of the people who are in our church. So I want to say, for some of us, this kind of balance, this keeping this tension is hard. 
Some of us, we work shifts. We're brand new parents. Some of us are, are, are taking care of somebody in our family who's sick, going through different health struggles. And so you're like, I look at my life, and honestly, Marv, I hear what you're saying, I feel it, but it's very, very hard because of the stage of life that I'm in. Then my word to you is don't feel guilty. Yeah. Right? Don't feel guilty. Don't feel shame. Your situation, your position is unique. And there's, there's times where we can't have that nice balance that we want to have. But there's things that you can do. You're like, I just feel like, yeah, I'd love to be in the Word. It's just hard. Well, listen to Scripture. You're saying, I'd love, to, I'd love to serve. But again, right now, it's just a little bit difficult. Pray for those who are serving and encourage them. There's always something we can do. Here's the other thing. Pray for yourself. Ask God, just, just ease up the schedule a little bit. Make some changes so that you can step in. Sons, you can come now. And so I'm showing us this passage because the text encourages us and it challenges us. I wanted to make sure I made that clarification before I show you the way the text challenges us. So let me share with you. The, the text encourages us because some of us are in a good spot. You're, you're, you're spending time with God. You're balancing your daily activities. You're doing that really well. You're serving the family of God. Well, the word to you is keep going. Keep doing that. Ask the spirit to empower you to continue to serve that way. But here's how this story challenges us. Because remember, it's not one life over the other. It's one before the other. Both are important. Time with God, time serving God. Both are important. And here's the thing. Some of us are busy with daily activities, serving, but you're not spending time with God. Well, you're gonna run out of gas. If you're not, if you're not letting the Lord re refresh you, renew you through the scriptures, you're not gonna be able to last. So what that means is make time to be with Jesus. That's how you put fuel in the tank to continue to serve. Some of us are in the word and busy with our daily routines, but we're not serving. You're not serving in our church. Well, some of you are not serving because you're new. That makes sense. You're figuring out, is this gonna be my church? Am I gonna settle in here? That's okay, take time, figure it out. Some of you are not serving because you need some rest. Maybe you're coming from somewhere else and you're like, I'm just tired, I need a moment to sit. We get that, that makes sense. Take the time that you need. Or maybe you were serving in our church for a while and you're like, I just need a moment. That's cool. Take that time, but then come back. Where am I? Some of you are not serving because you don't know the need in our church. Well, I'm just gonna tell you some of them. I'm, a, I'm practical, I always try to be. Our Hope Kids ministry needs eight adults, eight people to take care of the babies downstairs. And it's ministry, trust me. It's not just like, hey, you're just, you know, holding on to somebody's kid. You're given, it's an opportunity to teach them the gospel. Sometimes I hear people in church like, I'm all about evangelism. I'm like, go to the kids ministry. They're like, nah, I'm like, what? That's pr probably one of the biggest evangelistic ministries in our church. So we need eight people down there, set up and take down, people just to help us at the end, to just, and come early. 
right? Brother Anthony, sometimes he's here just by himself taking a nap on the pew because he got here at 6.30. But don't leave the brother alone. Somebody step in and help him to get it set up, right? So you got to think about this. All this stuff is there and it's, it's being used to minister to you, but somebody had to do it. So don't just be taking, taking, taking. Give as well. So step in and do that. Sounds and slides. Today we didn't need it. Maybe we don't need it. Who knows? We'll figure that out. Jesus is always teaching us. If you can sing, if you can play keys, if you can play drums. Philip's about to have a baby, so we're not going to see him for like six months. Right? Way to go, Phil. You're listening to Jesus. I love it. Walk team. Right? Just people who would join our team to go into the neighborhood, into the community, to meet our neighbors, to share about our church, to share our faith, to get to know them, to see how we could serve them. There is real needs. Here's this last one. You're not serving and you don't have a good reason. Oh, they need help over there. Ah, that's not my gifting. That's just not, just not. And I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just trying to keep it real with you. You don't have a good reason. And so I'm not telling you what to do. I'm telling you to ask Jesus what you should do. Pray and ask the Lord. Some of you, you're not spending time. You're not serving. You're not spending time with God. You're just busy. Think about that. Not serving, not spending time with God. You're just busy. Which means you're probably very distracted and very tired when you look at your life. And so what I'm doing here is I'm trying to end the sermon with us doing some honest self-examination, some reflection on our life. So that's what, that's what this text is meant to do for you. This is in the, in, the, um, in the section where Jesus is teaching on discipleship. That's what Luke is doing, this whole section. From nine to 11 is this, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? And serving is one of those things. And spending time with God is one of those things. But you're not doing any of those things, which means you're tired. It also means your mind is not being renewed. You're not ready for the battle every day. It means you're not growing spiritually because you're not getting challenged. You're not learning about God. You're not learning about the character of God. And it means you're not involved in strengthening our church or advancing the gospel in the world. And so yes, I'm coming at it strong because it's coming from a heart of love. Because trust me when I say this, serving the Lord, spending time with the Lord is good for all of us. It's healthy. It's what it means to be a disciple. And so what this text is doing is saying, examine your life. Look at your life. Pray to your father who loves you. And then by the power of the Spirit, make the right choice. Do what needs to be done. Let's pray. Let's stand. Father, we acknowledge that there are times where a word comes and it's a challenging word. For some of us, it's a hard word to receive. 
And I confess, Lord, that this back end of the message was a hard part for me to deliver. But I pray, Father, that by your spirit, you would speak to us where we need it, comfort us where we need it, show us the steps we are to take, Lord. We want to be a people who make the right choice, who make the right choice in moments of anxiety, people who make the right choice in moments of strife and uh, disputes, whether it's between our children or with the people who are in our lives. We want to make the right choice, God. We want to make the right choice when it is to turn on a screen or is to open the word and let you speak, God. We want to be a church that does the right things. And our sister, Lord God, in the word shows us, Mary shows us, this woman, God, sets a solid example for us that we can do what is right. We can get things in the right order. So we pray that you would help us to do what is necessary to keep Jesus at the center of our entire life and then to be stepping out empowered to serve him so that those who know him would continue to keep him at the center and would continue to serve him. And for those who don't know him, that they would come to faith in him. Lord, this isn't one life over the other. It's one before the other. So I pray that you would help us to walk by your spirit. Help us, Lord, we pray to know that Jesus is to be the center of our lives and to keep him there. That's where the strength comes from, to live as his disciple. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.